Welcome to the Contract Lens Podcast, brought to you by Malbec. In this podcast, we have conversations with contract management thought leaders and practitioners about everything contracts and its ecosystem. Today's episode focuses on legal operations, and we are joined by legal operations expert Stephanie Corey, co-founder at Uplevel Ops. In her career, she has served as the Chief of Staff and Senior Director of Legal Operations at Flex, the second largest manufacturing company in the world, and spent the better part of her career providing value-added services to legal departments. Stephanie also founded and is a former executive member of the leading legal operations trade organization, CLOCK, Corporate Legal Operations Consortium. So now, it's time to relax, grab a glass of wine, and let's talk contracts. Hi, Stephanie. We're so glad you could join us today on the Contract Lens podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Becky, for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's great to talk with you again. You've been a great partner of Malbec's and have such a wealth of information to share um, as it relates to legal operations. You're obviously a, a founding member of the uh, Corporate Legal Operations Consortium, CLOCK, which many of our listeners will be familiar with. So I thought that the way we could kick off this conversation is, could you start by defining what legal operations is and why it's needed within organizations? Yeah, you bet. It's funny. I've been having this conversation a lot this year, talking to um, new GCs and GCs at startup companies who don't yet have big teams. And and they're looking, you know, they they kind of know what legal ops is, and has been they've been reading about it, and so, um, but but they want to know more. They want to know if they're ready for it. You know, does their team need a legal ops manager? And so, I've been having a lot of these conversations. But really, at its core, what it is is it's the business management of the legal department, and it's different from working in a law firm. You know, once you go in house and you're running um, a, a a legal department, it's no different than the other executives who are running businesses um, within that corporation. And legals now treated exactly the same as the other businesses. They've basically got a PL to manage to, um, and they have to talk to you know their spend and and they also have to communicate their value. You know what is legal is a cost center in most in most companies and um, and you know the company's paying big bucks for this department because most of the people working in it are very very senior executives or or not executives that's the wrong word but professionals you know who mm-hmm. who are highly trained and highly skilled and so it's not a cheap department to run and so um, general counsels are expected to provide information on, hey, what value did did you um, give to the company this year? And so that's what legal operations is. It's really the business management. It's the measuring, the tracking, the automating, the getting infrastructure in place so that you can see what's happening in the department. You can get data out of these systems and you can show show value. You can show um, the types of work that's being done in the department. You can show what outside counsel is working on, what your um, other service providers are working on, what the internal team is working on. It's really that infrastructure around all of that, how the work is getting done. Um, and so really, I kind of look at legal departments as having two pillars. You've got the general counsel 
and the GCs managing all of the substantive legal work that's happening. And then the general counsel is also over the, the business side as well. But you've got the legal ops manager who's then managing, you know, the budgeting, the finance, the workflows, the, the how the work is coming in the department, how outside counsel uh, management is happening. And then that there's a whole separate reporting, you know, in and, in and of itself there. And that flows up to the GC, and then the GC has hopefully a, a clear vision of all of the work that's happening in the department. So how long has legal ops as a function been around? It's a, a newer area, but what, what did it sort of, what caused it to uh, be recognized as a need and what has been that evolution? Oh, that's a great question, Becky. And it's something that I think I'm sure that smarter people than me saw happening probably a lot earlier than I did. When I started, it was way back in 1999, actually, I got hired at HP as their legal ops manager. And then that, at that point, there wasn't legal tech. It just didn't exist anything close Mm. to what it looks like today. And so it was really focused on outside counsel management spend and just kind of making the daily lives of the attorneys easier and, you know, finding ways there, there weren't automated workflows or anything, but um, you know, just, just streamlining as much as you possibly could. Then, then everything kind of shifted all of a sudden. I think it was a confluence of the CFO, all of a sudden looking at legal spend and saying, Hey, this is getting crazy. We got to do something about this all the way to, um, you know, going from, uh, zero technology to startup after startup after startup. And so, the last time I looked, and it's probably grown tenfold since then, I swear, but it was something like 1,500 new legal tech startups in, you know, in one year. And wow. so there's just, I mean, you could literally count on, on one hand when I started what the legal tech providers were out there. And so that's just completely exploded. So, and the tech is getting better, right? It's easier to implement. Um, I mean, Malbec being the perfect example of this, it's a solution that can be implemented in a couple of months versus three years, $3 million that people just don't have the budget and the bandwidth to implement. And so the tech has gotten better. It's cheaper. It's easier to implement. And it, it really genuinely solves problems versus like, oh, I guess we just have to do this and, and hold our noses while we use this clunky tool. The tech is like a lot better. Yeah, and so yeah. you've got good technology at an affordable price and you've got um, you've got this financial pressure on departments that's, that they did not experience, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And so, so legal departments, GCs knew they had to really, they had to become more efficient. They, um, and then, then internally, I think they saw with their teams, like lawyers don't want to be filling out sure. spreadsheets. They don't, they, you know, they don't want to be dealing with the, the, um, the budget. They don't want to have to be printing stuff out and signing and scanning back in and all of that. Like they, they want this stuff streamlined and automated. Now, uh, query whether or not they want it done the way an ops manager would want it done. Um, and so there's always that internal struggle of, I know this is how you redline docs, but what if we did it this way? There's always that internal dialogue of like how the work gets done. And I think a good ops manager can really influence the team there. And so maybe the, the attorney should, should change the way they do their work a, a little bit to meet, you know, to meet current um, workflows and technologies and all of that. But, but that being 
set aside. I think attorneys, they, they are definitely getting there. They are, they are becoming more open to change, you know, from an operational perspective and uh, GCs recognize that this just has to happen because their feet are being held to the fire and, and the solutions are there. And so I think because of all of that, we've really seen, you know, this, this uh, shift and then you need somebody to manage that and you need somebody senior to manage it. And you need somebody driven, you know, self-driven who can look at this stuff, who knows what needs to get done um, because the attorneys just don't have the time. Even often a GC just doesn't have the time to be directing this person, you know, every step of the way. Um, but they need to have, you know, this business acumen, this organizational skill set, like, they, this, this is a person who needs to look at something and say, you know what, this can be done better. And then once you have that person on board, you know, things just run so smoothly. I've never seen a legal department get an ops manager in place and then say, you know what, this is, I don't really need this role. <laughs> they always like, uh, you know, the, the team usually starts growing or they, they, they definitely see the value and then therefore resource it properly by, you know, giving them the budget they need to, to do whatever they need to do because they see the value so quickly. Well, that, that's actually a perfect segue into what I wanted to ask you next. So you mentioned that, you know, legal operations really was an outcropping of pressure from CFOs and financial pressure. So I was curious, is there a tension that exists between GCs and legal operations? Or once the legal operations uh, person is there, is it really viewed, that person is really viewed as an ally uh, for the GC and not as some sort of like taskmaster? Yeah. In a healthy organization, the this is the right hand to the GC. And so I know when I was in-house and, and chief of staff, I would leave every single meeting with a list of about 20 things I needed to do. But my GC would say to me, um, I sleep better at night because I know you're here driving these things. And mm-hmm. so this is literally the person that does the follow-up, that just pushes, that does the reporting, the dashboarding, um, and and just the GC is really the the vision for the department. This is what I want to get done. And the legal ops manager is the person who operationalizes that vision. And so I, unless it's a very unhealthy situation, you don't usually see a relationship where there's um, conflict. It, it, there has to be good chemistry between the mm-hmm. GC and the legal ops manager, because that's the GC's right hand person. Um, and then further to that, what I experienced in-house, which was just such a, a, a helpful thing for me, was um, the deputy general counsels. They were able to use me as a sounding board before they went to the GC. So, hey, I have this mm-hmm. idea, it's half-baked. So, you know, let, let, you know, what can we, what can I do to help you, you know, bake this out a little bit further? Do, how do you think the GC will respond to this, you know, all of that. So I, I was kind of a sounding board to the deputies because they never saw me as, um, I mean, I, and not to put a negative spin on this, but they never saw me as a threat, right? I wasn't, I wasn't in the market to be a, a deputy general counsel. I don't have a law degree so that I was zero competition to them. They saw me as an advocate, a partner, mm. sometimes a therapist. I always had somebody in my <laughs> department complaining about something. And so I think legal ops is really that role. You are the, I I used to say the glue that holds the department together. And that's certainly true, but also kind of like 
the the you know the um, fluid that runs between everything that that just kind of pieces everything together um, because you so often are playing you're wearing so many different hats technology finance administration um, you know marketing uh, communications you're you're doing all of these things. And, um, and if you're influential and you work really well with the team, they, they see you as such an asset. Um, and you could, you could really, I think, just be so influential in the department in that, in that particular, you know, instance. So what about small legal departments that don't have someone in legal ops? What, what are some of the things that they can do without the presence of a legal ops professional on staff? I, I also work with a lot of small legal departments. I think the difference is, you know, when you're a big company, you, uh, you usually have a larger ops team supporting um, that larger department. And, uh, but so often I, I get calls and I would say they make up a, a big portion of our client base it's the solo general counsel or the GC with three or four people, you know, on, on his or her team. I think what's interesting is when I first started up level, I didn't think those small co- departments would be that interested in legal ops. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I thought it would be like the midsize companies who are hiring us more frequently, but in fact, it's the smaller companies who do need that infrastructure and they need their lawyers to be practicing law and not, you know, filling out spreadsheets. And so they like, they don't have the bodies to throw at the work. And so just because of that, they, they have to be um, ruthlessly efficient. And so because of that, they have a greater need for legal operations in many ways. And that was a surprise to me. I just never had never really thought about it like that, but I I see it every day. And so what we do for those smaller departments is often go in and talk to them and do like a, a quick high level analysis of what they should be doing, you know, rather than like the six month assessment that we might do for a, a big legal department where we go out and talk to a hundred people. We don't do that for small departments, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's more like, okay, you know, talk to me, what are your priorities? What do you think needs to get done? And then we supplement all that with our experience um, and expertise. And then we build out roadmaps for them this year, because so many smaller companies have been reaching out to us. We've actually started to to perform legal operations as a service for them where we're running their legal operations, which is really interesting to me, Becky, because I didn't know if there would be a market for that. I I always thought people would just want this role purely in-house, but what we're seeing is that they can't, they either can't get the headcount or if they do get a headcount, they want, they want to bring in, you know, a lawyer. And so we've actually been running legal operations for a bunch of smaller legal departments um, some of them, you know, 20, 30 people legal departments, some of them all the way down to, to teeny tiny. I think with the, with the smaller teams, it really is hand, hands, you know, an extra set of hands to do the work. It's nothing, I mean, really, at the end of the day, we give them good ideas. I'm sure there's, there are things that they wouldn't have thought of. But at the end of the day, it's not rocket science. It's literally like, you know, implementing e-signature, automating some of the workflows, getting some tracking in place so that the GC has some data. It's not these big, heavy systems that they don't need that would be overkill for them. It's just some light, simple stuff that these mm-hmm. GCs and their smaller teams can use that will, you know, streamline their how they do the work. And then using us as that set of hands to do it so they're not taking valuable, you know, legal resources to do that. Because on top of everything else that they're doing, 
um, setting up e-signature or automation or data tracking probably feels like a big ask. So to be able to offload that it. really frees them up. Yeah. They don't have like, you know, five extra mid-level attorneys who can dedicate half of their time to do this. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And we will definitely be sharing your contact information. Your firm is obviously called Uplevel Ops. You've mentioned that, but we'll be, you know, providing all contact details for those who are listening, who are really interested in those services, uh, given where their company is right now. So you, you mentioned smaller legal departments. How do you know when it's time to actually bring a legal ops person on board in-house? I get asked this question all the time, and there's, it's, there's not one cookie-cutter answer because each department operates so differently. But I would say what you need to look at is when your attorneys are getting bogged down with administrative or process work. And so when they're, you know, if we had to stick a number to it, if they're spending 20% of their time, um, you know, either filling out some requirement from finance or HR or what have you, um, or they're, uh, they're really struggling. I mean, contracting is a great example of a process that every legal department has to deal with. And in, I think no matter how good you are, there are opportunities to streamline and so when you find out that, you know, your, your attorneys are spending time just looking for contracts or trying to figure out what their obligations are or um, answering, you know, to every client, where are they in the queue? What, you know, what's the update? What's the update? And they're, and they're having to look, okay, where, who has that? Where was that? And so they're doing work that's not legal. It's not strategic at all. It's like literally looking mm-hmm. for things. Um, and so when they're, you know, starting to creep up, it, that's when it's time. Okay, we need operations, and I would say it probably happens a lot earlier than we recognize. Just like everything else, right? Like everything else yeah. in your life, like it was probably by the time you recognize it's happening, it's probably been going. On yeah, it's the it's the frog so, in the um, in the pot of yeah. water that's slowly coming up to boil. Absolutely, yeah. I just. Yes, I just used that example with somebody yesterday. I think it was exactly yeah. right. And so, you know, what and what ends up, I have a client in Europe and I love what, what she said. So I use this note, this phrase all the time. I stole it from her. It's um, it's you really have to pay attention to your team's work joy. Mm-hmm. And when they're, you know, filling out spreadsheets and 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 by the way, they're not in finance, you know, these are lawyers, they didn't go to school for for this. And, um, and they're spending six hours a week, which is, a, it is a studied average of what lawyers spend looking for documents. When they're doing that kind of, um, you know, non-essential work, their work joy is really diminished. And so, you know, I had one GC say to me, look, when, when the next attorney I hire, I want him or her to hit the ground running. And I don't want them like dealing with, with this, this nonsense. So, um, but it's stuff that lawyers don't need to be doing. So once you start to see their time being eaten up by non-essential legal work, then it's, it's really time to bring somebody in to look at that. That concept can definitely be applied to so many different areas of business. So I'm going to probably steal that as well. So how do you build the case that legal ops is needed and where are you likely to get pushback as you are building that case? There are different ways to do it. You can do it by based on what I just said. If you can get the attorneys to kind of explain what they're doing, and let's say, you know, and, and 
don't ever bring up, this is to all my legal ops peeps, don't ever bring up time tracking because they will come after you with pitchforks, believe me. (laughs) But if you say, you know, estimate for me what you're spending on these types of things, searching for documents, looking through contracts for, you know, whatever uh, obligations and meta tag, telling uh, clients what the status of things are. If you could make a list of those things that you know are administrative and that can be automated, um, and ask the attorneys to estimate what percentage of their time they're spending on that, and let's call it 30%, then you've got a real number. And if you mm-hmm. could just say, okay, um, so we have five attorneys, they're each spending 30% of their time you know, doing this stuff. If we could cut that in half, we save X. So you can actually attribute a real, a real um, savings to that. Um, So you can do it at a high level that way, which is probably the easiest way to do it. You can also do it on a system by system basis. So if you say, you know, if outside counsel's uh, really growing, um, managing outside counsel without a system in place becomes very difficult. You can't really, it's, it's much harder to do panels and convergence programs and RFPs when you don't have the data of what you're currently spending, what, what matters they're working on, et cetera. And so if you need, you know, it's time for you to, let's say, implement an e-billing system, then the those systems each have their own ROIs. So any vendor will be able to come up with a with an ROI for you. Um, and I used to use my vendors for that because you did have to build a business case in order to, you know, purchase a system. So I would leverage your vendors for, for those individual cases. But I think it's really critical that legal ops managers do that in order, you you can't, and it's harder, right? Like contracting is a great example of, you have to make some big assumptions when you're, when you're building out this ROI of how much time it's going to save and all of that. But, but to the extent that you can do it, you're, um, you, you make a much stronger case than just, Hey, we, we think we need this. This person, I'm starting to get um, a sense of the what this person is like. They they obviously have a finance background. They're obviously very organized. They're um, maybe a therapist too, as you mentioned. But what experience does <laughs> exactly this, does this person, as you're looking to maybe hire a legal ops uh, for the first time, what does this person need to be able to do in order to run uh, run the team efficiently? They legal ops managers come from all backgrounds, like you just suggested, Becky. They, I came from the finance world a lot, like a lot of my peers. Um, sometimes they come from HR, sometimes from IT, um, sometimes they were chiefs of staff in in totally other, you know, completely different fields. Um, so they really come from everywhere. I would say that the common link is this um, this idea of process mm-hmm. improvement. And so, you know, the, the idea that, of, of, that I said earlier, when you look at something knowing this can be done better, this is, this is frustrating the team, this is wasting their time, um, the clients aren't getting the information they need, we can make this better. I think just having that mindset, that change mindset is incredibly important for this role. But the other thing is, you know, if any GCs are listening to this podcast and, and they're curious about what they should hire, um, what skills they should hire. I think the most important thing is really that the GC needs to have good chemistry with the person. I can't underestimate how important that is. This is really, you know, you're the GC's right hand. And so having good chemistry with that person is incredibly important. But also this person does need to have the right skill set. 
because uh, of in the in the skill set it, it needs is is that influencing, getting along with people and um and I heard Kim Rivera is the GC at HP and she was talking about how sometimes we talk about soft skills like they're a bad thing. And we need to get away from that because you can't be a leader without having good soft skills or you can't be a good, effective leader anyway. Um, yeah, it's so important in the legal department because you're really, at the end of the day, you're getting a bunch of attorneys to do things they don't really want to do. They would rather just do the way that work the way they're doing it and all of that. So anyway, I think like being an, an, an influencer, but in, in a really good way, like getting people on board, you know, championing things, it, you, you do kind of have to be a cheerleader in that way. So finding somebody with that right soft touch, I think is so critical. Yeah, that, I, I like what you're saying there about soft skills. I think they can be definitely undervalued and, and there are, the, the, this, this function really sits as a hub between many different groups. So um, as you said, getting along with people is going to be an incredibly important component of the skill set. You know, maybe doesn't even necessarily come out on the CV as your, but may come out more in right. the interview process. For a new legal ops person who is coming in, um, where can they begin in order to achieve some quick wins? for their GC and the legal team? I think the most important thing to do is to do, uh, and and I call it like a mini assessment where you sit down with everybody you can and spend some time talking to them and just ask them, you know, what is you, what do you think is working well and what's not? Where do you, where do you struggle most? Where do your, where does your team struggle most? And the GC will have his or her ideas of what needs to be done in a department. Um, and in that exercise alone, We'll give you a couple of things. It'll it'll flesh out what priorities the team has because you will definitely hear common themes, um, and then it'll also allow you to see whether or not the GC's priorities are aligned with what the team is is saying are is, the issues, and that's a really critical um, thing to know. And um, and it also gives you good visibility. So all of a sudden, these people will they'll meet you, they'll understand why you're there, especially if you're the first legal ops manager in that department and they don't have experience with legal ops and don't know what you do, right? Why is this person, you know, harassing me all of a sudden? Well, yeah. if you sit down with them and kind of interview them, they'll they'll get why you're there. And so I think that it's like that first, you know, the first 90 days type thing. I think you need to sit down and talk to as many people as you can, explain to them why you're there, try to understand their priorities. And then from there, build out your priority list, your roadmap, whatever you want to call it. And then you meet with the GC, get sign off there, and then meet with the team and express what you're going to be doing over the next year or so. And then you, you know, you have an actual strategic plan that you can work towards um, and you've got buy-in from everybody. But I think sitting down and having those initial conversations is, is incredibly critical. Yeah, so I have to bring it back to contract management. Obviously, Malbec, that's our uh, that's our bread and butter. Um, so f- for legal ops, what's the one thing you wish that every legal ops professional knew about contract management? It's that process is more important than technology. Mm. And so you've got to do the work up front because so often we'll go in and we'll, you know, they signed um, uh, they, they bought a contracting system, but they're sitting on it for six months. They haven't implemented it because they haven't harmonized templates. They don't have playbooks. They, you know, haven't figured out what contract type they want to hit first. And so they haven't done that readiness work to get cleaned up 
before they actually um, implement their system. And if you haven't done that and then done the needs assessment, right? Like, okay, what are the things that are most critical? Um, then the, the chances of you selecting the right tool are slim. Um, because you know, you, you just haven't done that upfront work to make sure that you're buying the right system that's going to automate what you need it to automate because contracting is, is incredibly complex and varies from company to company. And because of that, um, these systems all do different things. And so you really want to understand what it is you're trying to solve for before you go out and select a tool. Plus, it doesn't matter how good that tool is if you haven't really assessed and understand and don't really understand your processes and how things should be ideally functioning, that tool isn't going to help you at all. Exactly. That's exactly right. What are some metrics to focus on that can indicate that legal ops is having a positive impact on the business? I think there are some basic things that that you'd want to track, but but know that every department is different. And so it's going to be unique from company to company. I mean, you're going to, as a GC, right, I would want to know how many open matters have I got, what, what the major types of agreements are. If you want, you know, if you can break them down by business unit, that would be great. And further, if you could break them down by complexity level, that would be incredibly helpful. Um, but some other things that you, you want to track are like the life cycle management of a contract, right? Like what's the time to close? What's the, the overall cycle time? Um, and why I think that's so critical is because so often legal, legal gets blamed for things that they don't really deserve in many mm. cases, right? Like, oh, it's, it's sitting with legal. But if you can automate the workflow, then you can f- figure out whether or not that's true. I remember when we did this at HP, what we found out was, well, no, actually, you know, we, we sent it back to you with some questions and haven't heard it's been sitting with you for three weeks, you know? And so a lot right. of times just being able to show where it is, uh, you know, especially if the clients can log into the system themselves and see where, where the, um, where the contract is, then I think that's incredibly helpful. Um, so the other things that you might want to track are like the, the key dates, um, key provisions, cancellation clauses, you also want to talk to the finance team because they're probably going to have revenue things that they want to track as well. To the extent that you can set up your system to capture these things for you, you know, you're just going to have an easier go of it because um, because then it's obviously something that you don't have to manually do or manually input to get it into the system. Um, but I think, you know, just looking for, for very basic things, I think cycle time, breaking it out by business unit, contract type. Um, And then the key provisions are probably the most critical things to start with. Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your insight. And um, we will be sharing your contact information for anyone who's interested in getting in touch with you about Legal Ops as a Service. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Becky. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.